can't hear you if it is. You can't yeah. hear me? You're going to have to do some editing here. <laughs> All right. You're, you're talking. Your lips are moving, but we can't hear you. Hey, we can't hear you. What did you do to your bike? <laughs> we'll figure right it out. I don't know. Through the magic of editing, you'll never experience this part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is true. That's right, that's right. Well, good morning, and welcome to our Practical Rambling Fathers podcast. Once again, my name is Father Tate. And I'm, I'm Father Brian. And so, <clears throat> first, we want to... Um, Wish you, you know, a, a happy Lent. We hope that last week's topic about why world, what is world, it was helpful to you. Uh, I found it to be very helpful because it puts things in its correct perspective, right? That I am, I am loved. My role here on earth is to find God, to love God, and to serve Him. And we're living in a busy world that's so easy to forget that. So Lent is a very good time for four days, four nights, where we pray and enter deeper and to find my place within the eyes of God. Get back to the basics. Exactly. The fundamentals. The fundamentals. Which is the the key word phrase for today's topic. We have a very special guest coming in. Father Tom Melvin with us, talking about who I am in light of who God is. Well, when you put that question uh, to me, the first thing that comes to my mind um, is that I'm a, through my baptism, I'm an adopted child, so I'm a beloved son of God the Father. And that then brings me to kind of ponder then, what is it like to belong to God as a child and not just belong to God generally as one of his people? Because to be a child, to be a son is more personal than just to belong to God as one of his people. So there's, to me then, there's something, there's something personal, intimate, um, knowable about myself and God the Father in that relationship as son. There's also means that I, that I have, I have some, um, not, ownership of God, but I have, I have some, um, I guess privileges or I have some, something that comes to me from God Mm. as a son. So I have a, I almost, I have a privilege, like a belonging or a place with him in his house, so to speak, in his kingdom. Uh, so th- that being that beloved son comes with this like kind of sort of deep, intimate sort of identity as not only belonging to God, but in a way wh- who God is and, and what he, what he has, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have a, I have a share in that. So I have a share in his life. I have a share in his work. I have a share in his kingdom. Um, I have a place with him mm-hmm. that that really is kind of more intimate, more personal than if I was just one of his people. Right. It, okay. it says to me more that God wants to do, wants to be in relationship with me more than just to rule over me or to oh. have governance over me, that God wants 
a relationship that's one of a personal relationship, a relationship of intimacy, a relationship of of a shared life, I guess, if you want to say it in those terms. Nice. And to me, then, that that leads to then a, a couple of, I guess, things. One is, like, then, who am I with Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the Word of the Father? Mm. So I become like his brother. I'm his brother. I'm also his disciple. I'm also his priest. But as brother, I share with him in the life of the Father. I share with him in the kingdom of the Father. I share with him in the the love or the grace of the Father. So do I also then share in the mission of Jesus mm. because we're brothers of the same Father, right. kind of, so to speak? Um, so that gives me almost not just identity, but like a purpose. Mm-hmm. So a purpose. And then the Holy Spirit, I, I have the love of the Father and the Son. So that to me, that almost binds me even more closely to the Father and the Son and says that I can ask of them very personal and intimate things. Mm-hmm. I can, I belong to them in love, not just sort of in a descendant or an adoption, but there's something about God's love that I belong into or with. Um, Tom, and I, I got, think that I got a question. I think that you. sort of is a, something that maybe animates the mission that I feel like I belong to with Jesus. I got a question. Um, would you? What would you say would be the role of humility in this dynamic in this relationship? Well, humility, I think, be probably twofold, maybe threefold. Okay. Um, first, it humility will help me know who I am. That I wouldn't reject being a son. I wouldn't reject being a brother, a disciple. I wouldn't reject the love of the Holy Spirit. That. Humility would say, this is, this is what belongs to me as son. Mm. So I guess humility on, on the first would be to accept this relationship, this um, belonging to God the Father as son. And I wouldn't try to reject it. I wouldn't try to just explain it away. But that I would accept this is who I am. Um, and then humility would then say, okay, this is who I am. Accepting, accepting that God has called me to be a son through baptism and he has accepted me in not only the goodness in me, but the, but the weakness and the potential I have to offend him through sin. And, and so humility would make me accept myself the way God does, I guess. Okay. Yeah, and then I think the the third thing of humility was that I've been given not only a place in this kingdom but a share in the mission of Jesus Christ. So I I don't my life doesn't belong to me. It's not it's not for me to just set the direction of my own life. My life, if I'm going to know what it's meant to be and what it's for. Then humility says I have to enter deeply into that relationship with the Father. 
and I have to enter in through prayer and through sacraments and through a life that reflects charity and justice. And so you really say you have to accept that this is your life. You and not sort of in a prideful way say, well, my life's going to be what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. That God the Father, by choosing me as his son, has already said to me, this is the purpose of your life, my son. This is, this is who you are, and this is what I've called you into. So mm-hmm. I think that last leg of humility is that acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I think people fight against that probably the most. You know, I think they, they want to explain away their identity because if I can explain away if I'm not a son of God, then I don't need the humility to accept the mission. You know, I don't need, I can, I can more easily offend and go my own way. So a little bit of our um, conversation for this retreat is like based kind of a little bit loosely on Lion King. And there's always this thing in Lion King about remembering, right? Remembering his identity. Um, and I guess, it, what role does silence play um, in that remembering or in that um, coming into your identity? Um, <clears throat> well, you can look at silence as a vehicle okay. to be connected in that identity that silence provides the space or the place or brings me to the place that I can focus, concentrate on that relationship with God, the father. I'm not saying that you can't be aware of your relationship with God, the father or your sonship, or if you're a beloved daughter, if you're a woman, Mm -hmm. that you can't be aware of that through actions But I do think that silence provides a place or a vehicle for the intimacy of love to grow. Um, For me to accept God's love penetrating even into those places of my heart where I doubt that I could be a son because I know my own weakness, I know my own sin. Mm -hmm. That silence allows me a place to wrestle with that, the place to bring that to God, the place to hear, quote, his voice, mm-hmm. um, depending on sort of how, I, how I'm going to hear that. Mm-hmm. But um, without silence, I think there's some, personally, I think it's difficult mm-hmm. to, to understand intimately the relationship of a son with his father. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go out and do all kinds of works. You know, today I had mass for the school kids. Um, I did some server training for them. I went and got some liturgical supplies for mass. I, I signed checks for the parish. I mean, those are all actions of a son who is a priest and a pastor carrying out the mission of his father and his brother, Jesus Christ, to care for these people and help them in their faith. And yeah, I know God the Father present there. I know Jesus there. I know the Holy Spirit there. But I don't think that it is the, that, that in those things I can come to the depth of understanding of what it really means to be a son. That silence provides the place and the vehicle 
and to not only speak to God the Father, but also to hear him speak back. That's good, Father Tom. I have a question for you. A lot of people in our society think of silence, prayer, identity as a one-time deal. How do we continue to encourage others and ourselves to continue to live in that identity that we are adopted sons of God? It's just not like a one-time event thing. Yeah, I always use the example of human friendships with that. Okay. You know, you wouldn't consider like one meeting with someone in one time and then say, so they're my friend. And then I never see them again or I never communicate with them again. Good. And I don't think we view our friendship as episodic mm-hmm. where here's one episode of friendship. Here's another episode of friendship. Mm-hmm. Like every time I see Father Brian, I don't reintroduce myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Um, Not yet. No, kidding. Prayer <laughs> provides the continuity of a relationship mm-hmm. that grows and deepens over time. Mm-hmm. So you guys have heard this when you were in the seminary and I was your rector. Sure. That, Good times. You know, prayer isn't these little episodic things that happen and that God doesn't know anything about you in that episode and you don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. That the consistency of prayer and silence brings that continuity to a friendship for mm-hmm. us as humans. It brings that continuity of a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, through my, you know, when I really became understanding of that prayer is the the relationship of how I communicate with my Heavenly Father mm-hmm. and how I maintain my friendship with my brother Jesus then it became something that said to me, it has to be consistent. Mm-hmm. It can't be episodic. It can't be something where I'm just going because I need something. I've always used that image of vending machine, yes. putting a couple of Hail Marys, a rosary, and an Our Father, push <laughs> A4, and I get out what I want. Right. You yeah. know, that yeah. God doesn't want to be used as a vending machine. He wants a relationship. Yeah. And prayer is that relationship. So... I think some people have to just be some ways even kind of shocked to realize that they've they've not been entering into relationship in prayer, but they've been using God like a vending machine. Mm-hmm. When, they're, when they go to him when they need something, but they don't necessarily consider him in friendship. Mm. Yeah. And that friendship is meant to be a continuing, deepening relationship of love throughout our lives. Mm. And when you start to think of prayer as that conversation, as that connectivity, as that continuing relationship, mm-hmm. I think that's where it changes for people. That's where all of a sudden they're like, God would care enough about me to have a continuing relationship? Yes. Right. You know, I'm a son or I'm a daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he wants to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think you have to, at some point you have to tell people like we can say prayers and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. At some point we have to see our prayer as the conversation as a son with his heavenly father mm-hmm. or a disciple, a brother with his friend, Jesus. And Jesus says this himself in the gospel. I have told you all, I don't call you slaves anymore. I call you friends. Mm-hmm. But there, he's saying there's a relationship there that isn't just me like having governance over you 
or control over you or telling you what to do, but if he uses the word friendship, he's saying, I want to know you so that I can reveal myself back in love. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know. And again, this is like a generalization. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So I don't know if most people think about prayer that way. I think they think of prayer more episodic, more like a vending machine. Yeah. Um, they think of God as someone who will, you know, I put in the stuff, I pushed A4, is he going to yeah, give me yeah. what I want? Right. Yeah, that was actually uh, something that we chatted Because when about. you talked about humility, there's a humility to prayer in that, that I'm going to enter into a relationship and all of a sudden I'm going to start to realize even when I sit down to pray, it's not my agenda. Mm-hmm. It's God's agenda. So I can bring the things in my life which he wants to hear. Mm-hmm. But he may have something that he knows about me that he wants me to spend time with him about. Mm-hmm. And unless when we start to understand prayer that way as this relationship of friendship, mm-hmm. I think that a freedom comes to start opening myself to him. And also, I don't think a lot of people trust that God really loves them. Right. I think right. they're, you can could, you could see that at the seminary. Yeah. Guys uh, live their lives trying to become perfect so yep. they could be loved. That's they right. didn't want, and part of it was, I think, the lack of humility. And I think there was also pride in there and fear in there that I got to get myself shaped up before God can love me rather than in friendship. The Father wants to love me, heal me, um, help me grow to into maturity as his son. Jesus wants me to grow into maturity as his disciple and friend. You know, it's that image of St. Paul that Christ would come to full stature. You know, that I don't think that happens when your prayer is only praying because you need something or want something to happen for you. Mm-hmm. I think that only happens when you consider prayer as the conversation of friendship and relationship. Mm-hmm. So um, my next follow-up question is, how do we encourage people who may pray like this throughout their whole lives, how do we encourage people to enter into like that deeper, more real, realistic, and into the conversation with God? What are some easy tips to do? So I think that we have to start with the incarnation. Mm-hmm. We have to help them understand that... Um, God wanted to enter our lives so radically in love mm-hmm. that he became one of us. Yeah. And I think that speaks to God doesn't want to just sit a distance from us and then say, okay, what do you want? You want A4? Okay, here it is. Right. But he wants to enter into the suffering and the challenge of our lives. He wants to enter into the triumphs and the joys of our lives. And he, he doesn't hold himself back from that. There's he, there's no restriction to him. He gives, and Jesus gives himself freely and completely into that incarnation. And I think that's the beginning of where can people can start to see, like, God loves me enough to enter into my very situation in life. So if God loves me enough to do that, would God love me enough to listen to me if I wanted to talk to him in prayer? If he's willing to, willing, and you know, you might have to talk to them a little bit about how God is radically other. He's an uncreated being, that he doesn't live in his creation. 
you know? Yeah. Um, but that he, he, out of love, gave himself in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Son, the Word, to become our Savior, to become one of us. And so do you think it would be possible for you to sit down and just share some of your life with God? Mm-hmm. You say, hey, Lord, today was not a good day, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And I, I need to know that you're with me and comfort me. Mm-hmm. Lord, today was a great day. Yeah. I saw where my gifts and talents that you've given me brought joy not only to me, but to other people. You know, I, it's it's something that's kind of unique. Well, I shouldn't say uniquely Catholic, but it's something that we just so much, I think, settle on and not settle as compromise, but settle as foundational that God is incarnate. Look at all of our sacraments. I mean, exactly. yep. we're using the stuff of creation to say Jesus is here. Mm-hmm. I was training the servers this afternoon, you know, and I was talking to them about that if there's, you know, precious blood in the chalice that's remaining after communion, if there are consecrated hosts in the on the patent or in the ciborium after communion, that they're as servers, they're not they don't touch it because they haven't been their hands haven't been anointed in ordination to handle those vessels. They haven't been commissioned as extraordinary ministers of communion. That there's something special about what's happening here. God is using, you know, some of created material to make to make himself present to us. So I don't know that. I guess that got kind of rambling, but that fits with your title, I guess. Yeah, right. um, that's right. We're, we're <laughs> rambling fathers. Well done, Dom. Well done. I do think that people have to understand the incarnation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they have to understand the depth of God's love, starting there in order to understand the depth of, of God's love on the cross, and the depth of God's love resurrected from the dead, the depth of God's love as Jesus ascends to heaven, takes our humanity with him, and then the depths of God love in Pentecost, the sending of the Holy Spirit. It's like the Lord has leveled the path straight into the kingdom for us. Mm-hmm. And prayer is the way to enter into that relationship so that you can be guided on that path into eternal life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't even know if you can say that enough to people that they have eternal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we're, all of us are, me included, are short-sighted. Right. You, know, you think if I can live for 80 or 90 years, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yep. You know? And I, well, I've been good that long. Well, you've got an eternal life. Right. Yep. A life that's never going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, what might be possible in my life and how to live it if I considered it that way in my prayer? Considered that way. I'm getting off on a tangent, but yeah, um, yeah. oh, it's it's good because I think you know when we think about uh, who we are in the eyes of God. I love what you said, Father Tom, about how He enters in, and we forget like He uses these things. And he's all around us. God uses these things to get to us. Sometimes we have this block of, can God truly come down and love me? So I, you know what you mentioned is really good to help us out to see that. We are not alone in this world, and God is with us. He uses all these media things to get across to us in our relationship with Him. Yeah, it's you know that's why like our our sacramental celebrations and um, 
even some of our non-sacramental like worship and prayer, they just always involve the stuff of our life, you know, and the stuff of the world because God entered there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he uses those things to remind us, oh, yeah, that's right. Now I'm here. Yep. I mean, just look at St. Catherine Drexel from today. Mm-hmm. You know, you take that first reading from Isaiah, and he says the word of God comes forth into the world, and it bears fruit that returns to God. Like, look at she received the word, the scripture, Jesus, and that word of God transformed her, and the fruit she bore back was to try to bring God's justice to marginalized peoples at her time in the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she gave herself to that to that word for that mission. Like that didn't happen because she didn't pray. Yeah, right. she would have never heard that. That I mean, yeah, she was a wealthy woman. So the way just a secular wealthy woman would have went about that work, and the way she went about that work, no, are yeah. markedly different because of the incarnation and because she received it. She prayed into it, and she let the word of God bear a fruit in her life that would return. Because she was a beloved daughter, you know. I mean, it's just a it's a, just a cool example of this incarnation that it, that somehow it's just I don't know if it I don't know if it's because of you know modern philosophy. I don't know if it's because of American pragmatism that yeah. we live in that we've just sort of I mean we live sort of in a culture in a society mm-hmm. that there's sort of altruistic ideas and of how we want to do these good things. But we forget that they're, they're really divine activity to go beyond myself in charity, to love those who, who, who sometimes aren't loved by anybody. Right. You know, and, and that's a fruit of prayer. That's a fruit of a relationship of friendship, you know, um, I'll cross the street for my parishioners to help them out, but and I should cross the street for strangers to help them out. But if you're my friend, there's even more of a motivation to cross the street, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So in prayer, that friendship deepens, and I start to see the incarnated Christ everywhere, mm-hmm. and so I'm ready to cross the street to help. Mm-hmm. So, I know that's pretty long rambling. I know one of the things that, especially young. Catholic adults uh, struggle a lot is when they are when they're in relationship with God and they hit like this patch where they feel like they're um, it's almost like a switch of desolation but they don't know how to get out of it they, you know they, they pray a lot they know that God loves them but sometimes when they believe in that lie that the devil presents it, it, it's helpless they just remain in that despair for a very long time how do you encourage someone to remove themselves out of that place well, first off, I think people need to understand that um, God may allow those things to happen in our lives in order for us to grow in mature faith. Because mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a transition that I think has to happen in everyone's life. They go, when you're a child, you believe because your parents told you there, it's, there is God, mm-hmm. right? Exactly, yep. And right, so now, at some point in your life, your faith... You have to kind of own it for yourself. So there has to be a transition from I believe because I was told to, I believe because I'm now starting to understand what this is and maybe even experience it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
God allows those times of desolation or those times of dryness. I think, you know, for one is for maturity's sake, mm-hmm. that we start, we understand that the point of prayer is not to have a good feeling, mm-hmm. not to have uh, an encouraging thought, is mm-hmm. not to feel warm fuzzies, but the purpose of prayer is to be in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that relationship if we're, sometimes if we're working through areas of our lives that need conversion, mm-hmm. sometimes that, that can, God, it can, we can, God can allow us to experience some desolation in that and some dryness. And then the other times he may do that, he may be testing our faith. Like, do we really believe or are we just attached to the good feelings and the good times that we've had around our faith and, is our faith really in him? So I think you have to say to people, like, you know, number one, yeah, like you have to persevere. Mm-hmm. And I know that can be like a throwaway and seem very trite to yeah. people. Mm-hmm. But you have to say, what does that perseverance look like? That perseverance looks like continuing to make acts of faith. Mm-hmm. So am I continuing to go to the celebration of Mass? Am I continuing to go? Maybe I have sin in my life that's blocking or because becoming an obstacle mm. to God's love. So, am I going to confession? And am I conf- Am I doing a good confession mm-hmm. so that I'm being forgiven and those obstacles, those burdens of sin, mm-hmm. are being lifted from my soul by God so that I can more easily receive His love? You know, mm-hmm. and. I think we have to say to them, you know, this is part of the maturing process in faith. Mm-hmm. And then I think it can hold up some examples from our tradition. You know, it can hold up St. John of the Cross, where he was being loved by God and he wasn't having warm fuzzies, you know, <laughs> right. but he was being brought to a, a deeper maturity in faith and he was being prepared by his heavenly father as son mm-hmm. to be in his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mother Teresa is the same way. Um, you know, I think there there's examples from the tradition of our faith we can hold up. And this is a I I pulled this quote out from uh, Saint John Chrysostom from my homily this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a baptism, so I used it in my homily, and he said that. Nice. He said, St. John Chrysostom said, we're going to experience trouble in our lives and we're going to be tempted and we're going to be tested. And then he said, you weren't baptized so that you could live your faith at ease. You were baptized so that you could be armed to fight. And I just love that quote. I love that image that I think a lot of times younger Catholics, because they're in this place where they're coming to adult faith and before it's been easy and now i know this is going to sound i'm not trying to label millennials or generation z or whatever they're called now sure generation i but our society has and maybe their parents have made things easy for them so they've never had to fight for something they believed in Mm -hmm. and saint john christensen is like no in baptism you were armed you were armed for the fight of faith. You were armed with, by becoming a child of God, a beloved son, a beloved daughter. You were armed 
with the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ who freed you from sin, you were armed with the grace of God to fight. And I think that we can give in. Oh, that's too hard. It's too hard to persevere, go to Mass every Sunday. It's too hard to sit down every day to pray. It's, it's too hard to fast on Fridays or, you know, or abstain from meat during Lent. And, you know, I just want it to be easy. You see this also where I want my parish to look a certain way. I'm not willing to commit myself to my parish to try to make changes or try to encourage others in faith. So I'll pick up and I'll go find the parish that fits my idea of what a parish should be, and I'll join there. I started to come to my, the millennial generation. I generally see, I now call them consumer Catholics because mm-hmm. they, they don't want to fight for their faith. They want to go and find it already prepackaged so they can buy it from Amazon, and Amazon Prime will get it to them overnight so they won't have to be without it. And then they just sit in the pew and consume. And then when they're asked maybe to step up and do something, they may be not willing to. Mm. You know? So it's like, you know, St. John Chrysostom is right. you got to fight for it. Yeah. If you're thinking that it's going to be a life of ease, then... In the wrong place. (laughs) Yeah, in the wrong place. And I didn't say it. He did, and the church made him a canonized saint. So I think it's (laughs) worthwhile paying attention to his words. Exactly. I hope you found all of that to be helpful. Reflections from Father Tom and conversations that we had about humility and silence and that real dynamic of being a child of God, something super special in, in relationship with him. So, Father Tay, you want to close this out? Sure. Um, I really encourage you guys is to really take what the insights Father Tom give to us and really live by it, right? Make a daily effort to remember that you know God loves you. He seeks you out consistently, and that's something hard to believe because we we often think we have to be perfect in order for God to love us, and that's not true. God wants us so bad that He desires His friendship with us on a daily basis. So really, ask for the grace of humility to open up once more to God, not just today, but for every day and for the rest of our lives, because He wants us for an eternity, not just for a lifetime, but for eternity. Thanks for joining Practical Rambling Fathers. We'll catch you next week. What's next week's topic? How do I stay true to this new identity I have in God?